All right, good day, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire. Uh, we're back on our Friday rep segment as as always, um, and uh, lovely to be here with uh, our co-host colleagues, whatever you can call it, Jazz and John. How are we all doing, mate? Happy Friday, boys. Happy Friday. Hi, guys. It's good to see you both. It's uh, not raining at the moment, which is a nice and uh, pleasant surprise. You should take out my beer. You should take out my beer very soon, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have another beer special oh, uh, no. where we bring our favorite beverages. That was interesting. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Man, uh, <laughs> just be careful about what you wish for, especially when you jump into these kind of episodes, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It actually requires a lot of brain work, you know, mm. just off air between Jazz and I. And, you know, we were talking about how he was literally on these type of stuff 24-7. He's still struggling to get on top of it, I've got to say. So just, mm. it just shows the amount of changes that's currently is, is phenomenal. Um, you know, the, the, the world is constantly changing as we know it, but, you know, due to the information age, uh, everything just goes a lot faster than what, how it used to, I reckon, even just compared to five years ago, right? So, mm-hmm. which I think it makes sense because, you know, we're pretty much uh, start of the, n- the new quarter um, and there has been a lot of things that happened during Q1. So it makes sense for us to consolidate a little bit to say, what has actually happened in Q1? Let's recap in terms of the key events and milestones that has happened um, and do a bit of summary to say what, what those means to investors and how, and, and how does that project into Q2? Uh, because I think that's what essentially every, every investor wants to know, right? So, so that's what today's episode is all going to be about. We'll do a quick recap of all the key incidents that has happened in the last three months or Q1. Um, and, um, and on that basis, uh, we'll, we'll try to, well, you know, no one can predict the future, but I'll try, you know, we'll all we'll try to take our crystal ball out a little bit <laughs> and then, uh, see, see how that pans out into Q2. All right, boys, ready to go? Always do it. All right, mate. Yeah, they're always ready, mate. Good. Okay. So, um, I think one of the key ones, uh, in Q1 key incidents is all about interest rate hikes around the world, right? Like there's been talks about interest rate hikes where I think, in our last in last year, there was a lot of uncertainty around that. But um, now, with the inflation figures, especially the U.S. inflation figures um, hitting up such an all-time high, um, we have had the Fed raising their first rate, and we are. And and at the moment, I think there's been a lot of talks about uh, even potentially a 0.5 percent rate hike in the next month. So, how is that going to impact? The global market in general. Um, okay, this one I'll start with John. Uh, excellent. Um, <laughs> so how will yeah? So so you're right that the the it's interesting you mentioned the 0.5 percent because there's a lot of talk about that, and what the Fed is famous for doing is sending different governors out there and then floating these ideas and then seeing what the market makes of it. So <clears throat> Bullard came out last night and said, uh, you know, we we need to raise rates. Uh, higher and faster and that that floats out and the market digests that and then the market and so the 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 fed is constantly scanning for what the market thinks about what it's doing and then it'll and then it'll implement its policy uh so but but the but the other interesting thing is potentially deliberately lots of governors go out there and float completely opposite ideas to each other. So you'll get one governor coming out and saying, oh, we need to tighten faster and harder. And another governor will come out and say, wait on a sec, there's too many 
uh, geopolitical uncertainties, we need to go slow on the rate rises. So I just wanted to put that out there because there's there's always contradictory messages coming out. But I think what we can agree on is that there's a tight, we're in a tightening phase now. What will it do to markets? Well, uh, initially the markets kind of liked the interest rates going up in the US, so they they put rates up in in March. Uh, uh, the stock market's actually responded favorably to that. We've had a couple of uh, good days. Essentially, if the market, if the Fed does what the market expects, the markets will respond favorably to that. It's when the Fed does things that they don't expect that that uh, where things start to get volatile. So, for example, if the Fed comes in and does another twenty-five basis point hike, the market will love that. The market will love that. If the Fed comes in and does a 50 or 75 basis point hike, the market will get nervous about that because it means they're trying to put out a fire that's bigger than what the market sees. So it's all about um, acting in accordance to expectations, but broadly speaking, up to a point, tightening suggests to the market that the, the Fed is and the RBA are confident enough that the economy can absorb rate increases. So generally speaking, a mild increase in rate rises is going to be positive for the market. Uh, but anything harder or faster than that will, uh, I, I'd suggest, be bad for the markets. Uh, stock markets will go down if they do it hard and fast. And my guess is that they'll do what they always do, which is slow and steady, and then eventually reverse. What do you reckon, is this Jazz? for US? Is this oh. for US? Or you yeah, about I, I, I talk about the US. I guess, the, you know, if, to, to bring it back to a bit more of an Australian context, um, the, the big change in Q1 is they went from being very clear about the first rate rise being in 2023 to the rate, first rate rise will probably be straight after the election in May. And so there's a real change in expectations there. But um, we, we, we have a different, they're, they're very, the RBA are very clear about. Uh, telling us that we have a different inflationary uh, scenario here in Australia. We're dealing with inflation of three or four percent, whereas um, the US has got inflation at seven point nine percent, which is much higher. So unless we see our inflation number tick, tick up, I think it's going to be slow and steady in Australia. So yes, we saw the first rate uh, rate hike this year, 0.25, uh, very well expected. Um, and the markets have obviously, well, to John's point, the markets did respond at the start pretty well. But I think um, with the tone that Fed has, and if you look at the Fed future fund rates, it's projecting a 0.5 uh, for May. If that happens to be the case, I think overall we are seeing going to see is very choppy markets this year. Um, and the Q1 is pretty clearly telling that when you look at the stock market and uh, some of the other risk markets like crypto and all, they all topped towards the uh, end of last year for crypto, start of this year for uh, stocks. Um, and it's telling a story. Uh, obviously, bear markets uh, have a relief rally and bull markets correct itself. So what we have seen is kind of a bit of a relief rally um, at this point, uh, where after a significant drop uh, of 20%, but overall it's still a chop fest, uh, which means we there's a, there's a possibility that we'll keep trading within the range or uh, if Fed actually does a 0.5 of a rate rise 
next month that uh, we we can see market drop even further. If they do 0.5 of a percent, um, I believe it will be the first time they've raised by that amount since the 90s. So it's highly unusual that they would do that. And obviously, it's interesting that that's the speculation, but it is it is highly unusual that they would do 0.5 of a percent. And the and the interest rates all going up because of wanting to control the inflation. So as you said, you know, it's it's basically a control mechanism uh, in this sense. And I think at the moment, just like similar in Australia as well. Um, the only time that they will raise the interest rate or the cash rate is essentially to battle against the inflation uh, to make sure they're under control. My question, though, is if they do raise 0.5, uh, if the Fed does raise 0.5 in May, how would the money flow in that sense? Because we all know from, we've seen from the first quarter, a lot of the money has gone out of tech stock, you know, so tech stock actually had, had a big, had a big um, correction in that sense. And um, and if they continue to increase uh, the cash rate and at this rate, does that mean the commodity is going to be like we like we like we kind of mentioned in the last few episodes? The commodity is really going to have a really strong bull run in Q two. Is that going to be the case? What do you guys reckon? Yeah, I, I, I look. I I think so. I think so. But. Um... When when they put interest rates up, money's leaving the bond market essentially. So money leaves the bond market, the biggest market, and it has to find a home. So it, it goes into all sorts of areas. But I I would expect one of the areas would be commodities, and commodities tie in nicely to the Russia Ukraine war, where Putin came out at the end of March and talked about something along the lines of um, you either have a currency backed by food, agriculture, oil or gold, or you don't have a currency backed by that. So there's going to be this sort of world of the currency, uh, the, the, the commodity currencies and the world of the other currencies. Um, I, I think when money leaves the bond market, it's going to, I think it's going to look for a home into tangible assets. Um, and I think that that will be commodities. But I think there's a lot of a bearishness around real estate at the moment. And I actually think that money will look for a home in real estate because what I think you'll find is that uh, real estate is going to be one of the... You know, is going to represent relatively good value in terms of yields, but I don't know when exactly that would be. Maybe that's a twenty twenty three play. Maybe that's second half of the year, but I think real estate's uh, not as bad value as it appears to be. So, I tend to agree over there with what John said. So, the two main things of the Q one has been obviously the rate hike and the inflation figures, right? Um, and obviously, Fed's hawkish tone overall. Together, if you combine the uh, three of them, I think what it's telling you is that there's a lot of cash now that's going to be sitting in the sidelines. Commodities overall is uh, still probably undervalued to some extent if you uh, look at uh, or compare it to all the other assets. So I, I think commodities definitely, I agree with John. Uh, uh, but overall, I think we are in a, uh, if we are in a stagflation or a inflationary environment with slow growth, uh, a lot of money will stay on the sidelines. Uh, yeah, in my opinion. All right. Yeah. What about Bitcoin, uh, Jazz? What do you reckon? How is cryptocurrency going to play in Q2? So crypto, crypto, crypto is a risk on as well, clearly, right? So when you, and it's heavily tied to, its crypto market is now overall a $2 trillion market cap, right? So to move a crypto market, it's, it's going to take a bit of effort as well. Uh, and it's now, uh, to some extent with, uh, the hedge funds and all the 
big institutions joining uh, this race. I think it's 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 has got some connection now to the traditional markets, which means when you look at the risk on assets like equities, um, if equities have topped for now, then cryptos is probably going to be the same same story. I think it it will stay within this range of 30 to 50, 60K where it will be a choppy market. Uh, but if we're going to see the rate rises, if, we wanna, if, we, if, if we're going to see the rate rises and if we're going to see Fed keep tightening overall its balance sheet, then uh, I don't see much growth happening in that space personally. It, it, what's interesting about crypto is that the more crypto matures and the the crypto, you know, Bitcoin's been around since about 2008, 2009, I think. So the more crypto matures, the more it correlates to the stock market. So it's becoming a generic risk on asset. So it's a risk on asset. And that means it kind of moves the way the stock market moves. Generally speaking, the stock market doesn't like very high interest rates or large moves higher in interest rates. And so you probably see if rates start moving higher quicker than expected, you probably see crypto come down. Um, but it is also an alternative currency. So there, there's that. One interesting thing about uh, crypto is we talk about its capacity to be a disruptor, but the, the entire crypto space, I think the the um, market cap of crypto is about one and a half trillion, Jazz. Is that about right? Maybe a bit Close less? to two. Close to two. Oh, close to two. Okay. That, that's about the same size as one Dow component. So one of the Dow companies on average. So it's got miles to run if it's going to be a true disruptor. It's, it, so it, crypto is relatively too small to be the big disruptor, but it is early days. So that would change. So 100% agree on that. I meant more for Q2, Q3 kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the environment that we're currently in, in, looking at what's happened in Q1 yeah. and predicting Q2 and Q3, I think it's overall going to stay... Uh, neutral to less bullish, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Good. All right. No, thank you, gents. Uh, that's that's a pretty pretty clear wrap for the uh, for the interest rate uh, side of things. The other key incident that happened is the Russia invasion of Ukraine, uh, which then uh, leads to a lot of uncertainty around the world, around the globe, um, and a. A strong, a very strong jump in terms of the oil prices. It went to about 130, I think, or 140 at some point in time, and then started to come down again uh, recently. So the oil prices has gone ballistic, and also the supply chain shock throughout the world, um, which is also causing the, you know, as a consequence of that uh, geopolitical uh, conflict that's currently ongoing and still ongoing to date, uh, not to mention. So that's that's one of the key milestones in the in, in Q1. Now, with those two things, so the oil prices, or, or I should say in general, energy crisis, as John, you've pointed out before, the energy crisis that has happened in Q1, um, along with the um, supply chain um, issues that we're facing at the moment, how is that going to pay into Q2, do you guys think? We always do rock, scissors, paper every time a question is asked to see who's going to go <laughs> first, and we're pointing at each other. Um, who <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. I mean, how, how's energy going to go in uh, the second quarter? Um, so it went up. I mean, oil went up extremely quickly in Q1. So probably means that it'll sort of relax and, and come down a little bit. It's just pro I think it's around $100 a barrel, uh, the crude price right now, maybe a little bit less. Um, I'm very bullish on, on crude, so I think it's going higher. But I think that the Russia-Ukraine 
the Russia-Ukraine war is, is very interesting because it started out as a territorial dispute. It's morphed into a dispute over resources, and that's morphed into a dispute over currencies. So it, it, while it's ostensibly about um, territory, about the future of the Ukrainian people, and it's all Ukraine's always been a pawn of the big powers that that surrounded, I suppose. But what it's become is a proxy war for the currencies, I, I think, and I could be, I could be overstating it. But if you notice the the what 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 you know came in play with Russia Ukraine is, um, uh, okay, where's Europe going to get its oil and its gas from? Okay. Once they settled that question, then they said, okay, well, what currency are you going to pay for your oil and gas in? And so it's morphed into these other things. Um, I think that that's where the real battlefield is, and I think that that is going to take a few years to play out. What um, what role will gold, the ruble, the US dollar, uh, the, the Chinese RMB, what, what role are these currencies going to play in the, uh, in the energy markets? Because that's they're the markets that really count. So what, what you know, we know that um, China and Saudi Arabia are talking to each other about buying oil in, um, in RMB. That's the real war. And I don't mean any disrespect for the, to the Ukrainian people who are legitimately suffering because the territorial dispute is, is real and that's what's happening. But I think it's morphed into something else. Uh, Jazz. I think personally oil for now has topped for a bit, mm. uh, uh, it saw this crazy run up to 120, 130, wherever the top was. I think 126 from memory could be wrong, uh, but I think for now oil has stopped. We got to remember that if oil prices were to shoot too high, the impact that it's going to have on all the markets, whether it's supply chain or commodities or uh, other inflationary pressures, uh, is going to be huge. So I think. Uh, it's pretty safe to say uh, oil will, in my opinion, float around where it is and uh, somewhere between the 90 to 110 range. Uh, but over the long run, still bullish on oil. Uh, I think we'll see 200 at some point uh, in oil. But for now, uh, if, we are, if, if we are focusing on the rest of the year, Q2, Q3, maybe even Q4, I don't see oil going anywhere uh, uh, it's stopped out for now. It's in 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 my opinion. But in terms of what John said with regards to the 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 Russia Ukraine situation morphing into something else, I totally agree on that. Actually, I think um, the Russia Ukraine situation has more morphed into um, the uh, a currency war, which always was to some extent, but it's it's become more more and more apparent over the last few weeks, if you were to particularly focus on Saudis uh, trying to trade in yuan uh, instead of petrodollar, so petro-yuan, and uh, uh, India doing it in, in uh, rupee-ruble, uh, so they, they're setting up their own trade. Uh, so before it was just the US as a reserve currency, but I think now others are coming into the mix as well. Um, uh, gold, there's talk of gold being used for, um, uh, for for the for the purchase of oil, whereas in the past obviously again it was petrodollar. Uh, there's a talk of Bitcoin as well. So I think I think it's become pretty apparent uh, that it's uh, it's it's a it's more of a currency war than uh, than anything else. Obviously there's a there's a 
territory war as well but it's but it's it's given a reason to challenge the reserve currency us being the only reserve currency and uh, bringing others into the mix in my opinion yeah so i think that, that that's one of the key trends that we kind of extrapolated from q1 right there's there's been clearly a shift uh, in terms of the trend of moving away from the us reserve currency um and the Russia to Ukraine invasion is basically, I reckon, the key catalyst that actually causes, um, you know, in terms of speeding up the whole process. Uh, and, and now using oil as a medium, um, essentially everyone's now trying to see whether they can actually have a have a trade specifically and, and move away from that US reserve. Um, now, in the long run, um, what do you guys will think will happen? Like, how is this? I think we talked about at one point the East-West separation is, is actually this is just the start of that uh, right so the east side of things is going to start obviously starting developing their own trades uh their own potentially a, a reserve currency and maybe a digital currency coming into the play we might we're probably not looking at this year uh potentially not not definitely not in q2 right but maybe later this year or early next year we all know that china has started looking at their own digital currencies and same thing with india if i'm not mistaken um they're, they're looking at these kind of things so is this is this uh, is this kind of starting showing the trend of moving away from a, um, a, a U.S. reserve currency and maybe an interim currency of some sort? You know, like what, what you guys said, uh, people are able to trade using yuan, rupee, ruble, but eventually morphing into the final step, which is more into a digital currency stage over the years to come. So, uh, if we are talking short term, mm-hmm. obviously there's uh, as such no impact other than that other currencies are going to come into the mix, right? But this short term is not Q2, Q3, Q4 we're talking. We're talking a few years over here, but, but they are, they're clearly coming into the mix. Uh, yuan is, Indian rupee is, commodities is, um, crypto is, all of that stuff. Um, but over the long run, what that means is basically this, we have laid the foundation for other currencies uh, to be a part of the reserve as well. So rather than being US the only reserve currency, it won't be the, there will be many reserve currencies, I think, in in, in future. Uh, What's the impact on the market in general? I think uh, nothing short term. This is more just something, it's a a foundation that has been laid for for a very uh, long run change, I think, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think we're just going into sort of a, a bipolar world again, which is sort of what the world normally looks like. So the post Berlin Wall unipolar kind of moment was brief, but it's unusual in history. So I think that we'll, we'll have a, um, I think the West, including, say, Japan and Korea, I think, you know, they're for monetary purposes, uh, Western countries, and that they will, um, double down on the US dollar. So I, I actually think that the US dollar might get a bit stronger in the next couple of years. Uh, and then I think the BRICS countries, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, I think, <laughs> um, whew, spot test uh, spot test there. Uh, I think that they will start to try to go independent uh, of that system. Um, but I, 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 think it'll t- I think it'll take years. I mean, the reserve currency, Dave, to get back to your initial sort of question about um, is that waning? I, Jazz is right that the seeds have been laid for that, because which is which is true. 
Um, but reserve currency is always about the ability to project power. And right now, the US is the best at that. Um, so soft, hard, all that, all those different kinds of power. So can't see it changing initially, but the, the, the seeds have been sown. And like all things, when they collapse, it'll, it'll happen slowly and then quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. No, that's, that's good. Um, the other thing that I want to touch on, which I think was, um, was one of the key points as well in Q1, is the yield curve inversion. Um, now, Let's talk a bit about that because I know Jazzy just published a, an episode that actually talks in, in depth in about your code inversion. Um, can you give us a quick rundown in terms of what that is, uh, just as a background? Mm-hmm. So yield curve is obviously one of the very traditional indicators that's looked at uh, to predict uh, where the markets are in terms of uh, are we in a growth phase or is it heading towards a recession kind of thing, right? So. Um, Outside of what's happened with the, so the key, we already mentioned that some of the key things in Q1, which was the interest rate hike, um, the inflation figures, um, Fed's hawkish turn, right? Um, That's obviously led to uh, some changes in the yield curve, where when you start looking at uh, the yield curve, which is 10 year to two, 10 year to three years, uh, they have flattened for, or even went negative for a few days. So what's that telling you is essentially that there's possibly a recession on the cards in the future. Uh, however, some of the other ones that you look at, there's obviously different yield curves and uh, everyone will handpick their own for, for from an investment perspective. But one of the other key ones is the three months to 10 year, in my opinion, and that is still fairly st- steep. So. Uh, I think it's telling a story, and the sto- story is that, um, that the markets may rally, but uh, but the short-term rates being higher than the long-term rates uh, is a bit of a worrisome. Yeah, the, the, we we had some big hitters on the the podcast this week, and we talked to both of them about the um, uh, about the, the yield curve inversion because it's a it's a big deal. Now it's not it's not hundred percent of the time that it f- forecasts. Uh, uh, a recession, but it's pretty reliable. What um, what I think that the yield curve is telling us, and Roger Montgomery said this yesterday. He said that essentially it, the market thinks that um, in inflation will be brief, um, and interest rates will go up and then have to come back down again. I mean, that's essentially what the yield curve is saying that the interest rates will go up and come down. Now that becomes very interesting when we're talking about asset prices because you know if you're a real estate investor or the Dow Jones or whatever you're investing in the 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 bond market is saying that rates go up and then come down be that because of a recession or any other reason so that that's interesting i mean how do you play that i'll leave that up to you to your good graces but um but that's that's interesting so the market is seeing all of this as a temporary uh brief phenomenon mm-hmm. Yeah, so it will be interesting to watch this. I, I think this is one of the key things to be looking at in Q2, Q3, Q4, the yield curve, to mm. see how it plays out, um, along with the uh, future rate rises, uh, whether whether Fed goes with point with 0.25 or 0.5, because uh, this is going to dictate from an investor's perspective how to how to trade on a medium to short term these markets basically. You know, when the last time the yield curve inverted was 2019, first half, about April, something like that. 
And what they did back then was they, they managed that by bringing short-term rates back down. So they were raising rates, raising rates, raising rates eight times, I think. And then the yield curve inverted in 2019. And so they normalized the curve by bringing, uh, bringing short-term rates down because short-term rates are the rates that they can control. So the, the, yield, the yield curve look, you know, normalized. What I kind of get the impression they want to do is somehow manage the, the long end up rather than the short end down to make the yield curve normalize. So they might be looking at getting the 10-year or the 30-year up, but that's ultimately up to the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, in, in that case, then, is it, are there any other charts that I guess from our listeners' perspective, if they do want to look into it? Uh, I know, Jazz, you mentioned about the, um, you know, the, the three months as 10 years. Are there any other charts that uh, that's worth keeping an eye out? Uh, if you're looking at the yield curve, I, I think um, uh, the, there's there's different ones over there, but the main ones is uh, 10, 2, 10, 3, 10, 10, 2, 10, 3, yeah. 10, 10, 3, three month one. Um, so there's a three year and then there's three months. Three months. Um, and then there's obviously you can go uh, even longer, which is 30 years to three months or 30 years to two years. Mm-hmm. Um and they're all telling you a story right now. And the story is that um, that it is it is about to we 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 about to see some kind of slow growth uh, in the future Q2 Q3 Q4 basically, which means uh, that there's a possibility possibility of inversion and recession. Mm, okay, all right. I think John, you we we got to be mindful that you're not giving away Roger's uh, tips for too long, because otherwise, no one's going to listen to that episode very soon. <laughs> Tantalized you with one little point there. Good point. <laughs> no, that's why. That's a that's a, that's a good um, that's a good one to uh, to I guess yeah tantalize a little bit to uh, for our listeners. Um, cool. All right. Look, I think that's a pretty fair summary in terms of what has happened in Q1 and uh, a little projection into Q2. Are there any other any other points that you guys want to raise? Uh, just for Q2, keep keep an eye on the interest rate rises. Keep an eye on the inflation figures that were supposed to be released, I think, this week. Yeah. So uh, we'll see how, what the figures are like, whether it's higher or lower. Uh, if you guys have any predictions, more than welcome to say it. Uh, but uh, obviously, uh, the, the bond yields, uh, something to look at. And Fed's balance sheet of how, they, how they're actually going to go about that. Are they going to keep tightening or... Uh, are they going to raise, raise the rates, but also uh, keep the let the balance sheet expand? Because then, really, you're saying that you're raising rates, but then expanding the balance sheet it negates that. So mm. um, it will be it will be interesting to watch. I think they are the main things to watch in Q2, um, and that will dictate how the S and P 500 and all the other risk on assets perform. Um, commodities, I think, it's in general we have talked a lot. Uh, they are undervalued, and they 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 in a uh, secular trend right now. Uh, so, no, I, I agree. I mean, watch watch the yield curve. That would be the main thing, um, and and the rhetoric uh, about rate rises. Uh, I'd also say, you know, uh, earnings season um, is around the corner. So, watch that. I mean, as investors, ultimately, that's what you're you're trying to find companies with sound earnings and uh, and companies can, that can weather inflation and, and benefit from inflation. Um, I would say that earnings looks like different things for different asset classes. So 
uh, in the stock market, you want to look at earnings, but I'd say in the real estate markets, you want to look at what's happening with rents as well, because rents are going to be the the um, the fuel for the next leg higher if that's to happen in real estate. So um, so I'd be watching earnings, I'd be watching uh, data coming out on rents, and I'd be watching the yield curve. Uh, and the only other thing that I will add for Q2, Q3, something to watch is the gold. I think uh, among all the action that we have seen this year, right, markets topped out, they've seen a correction, there's a relief rally. The only thing that's holding strong and tight is gold. It went up and it's been it's been holding over there. It's in general telling you a story. Maybe it's the stack lift, uh, maybe it's the stagflation story, maybe it's the uh, persistent inflation story, but it's telling a story. And I think that is also one thing to look at uh, for the next two quarters uh, and see how it plays out uh, compared to the rest of the market. Anything else to get out there, John, in terms of, I mean, let's just touch on gold, right? So, mm. Well, I noticed, I was having a look at some charts last night and I noticed that gold is forming a, a mini cup and handle. So it went up to a peak in 2020, it's come down and it, it reached that old peak in 2022. It's dropped back a tiny bit again. So actually there's a mini cup and handle. There's a 10 year cup and handle, and then there's a two year cup and handle. They're both bullish. So it kind of feels like that's positive for the metals. Um, but you know, I've been wrong on that before, but, but I, I, I agree with jazz. Like gold looks like it, it may break out from here, but uh there's, it's a graveyard of uh, precious metals, bulls. So, I, I, you know, do your own research on that. Yeah, I don't know about the breakout and all, but it's holding strong. Is the yeah, yeah. And yeah. That's, that's just telling you a story. Basically, there's a lot of fear. When there's a lot of fear in the market, that's when the money goes into the gold, right? Yeah, so, it's, it's yeah. maybe it's just the sideline money that's sitting over there, parked over mm. there for uh, this whole situation to clear out with Russia, Ukraine, Fed's interest rate. And yeah. if... Uh, markets are more positive or polished, then maybe we'll see gold drop as well and that money flow into equities. But for now, uh, it's telling a story. Yeah. Like we all think, there's a lot of uncertainties uh, at the start of a year. And, you know, even after Q1, there's still a lot of uncertainties at the moment. It's just, it seems to be a very difficult year to be able to see through anything in 2022 by the sounds of it. Whether that's we from said, economic yeah. sense or yeah, sorry, John. Yeah. We 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 said that at the start at the start of the year, yeah. the market this year is going to be pretty choppy overall, and the returns probably won't be that great. Uh, and we've seen that uh, whether it's equities, whether it's crypto, whether it's commodities. I mean, commodities minus some like nickel, which uh, just went straight up because mm-hmm. uh, of the Russia Ukraine situation. But overall, I mean, it's been a very uh, flat or choppy market. Yeah, I mean the markets. Most markets, paper markets like the stock markets, they they did they went up huge amounts last year. So the way the way I think about it is, the the markets went up phenomenally last year. Real estate stocks, that sort of stuff, and now the patience. It's like after you know uh, Christmas lunch or um, Thanksgiving, you just sit back, you unbuckle the belt. You don't go for a run straight away. You wait. You unbuckle the belt. You digest, and then you move on to the next thing. So, you, so I feel like we're 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 just on the couch with our fly undone, um, <laughs> waiting for the next move higher. That sounded terrible. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, now party's over. Good time. <laughs> party party is over. We are we're in the hangover phase right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the boom yeah. party. The boom party's over. 
for now. Well, I, I think I think the punch bowl is still there, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Good one. Um, anything else, Dan? No. Uh, one um, only one more thing is the fat put. Is fat put really there or not? Uh, we'll see. Which is basically whether they will come and uh, save the markets if they were to hike the rates by mm. 0.5 and the markets were to tank further. Are they going to do the Fed put? Uh, something to be seen as well. They absolutely will. I will challenge that big time, John. I think you're wrong on that one this time. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so, but we'll see. Mm. I will leave that as a cliffhanger then <laughs> for, the, for everyone to follow on in terms of uh, the latest update in the upcoming episodes on uh, next week or the week after. So, all right. Um, so as always, uh, thanks everyone for joining us today. Um, hope you guys got something out of it. Look, uh, like uh, all the, the usual disclaimer, you know, what we discuss here is basically just uh, our, our own personal opinions, speculations. Uh, it's not financial advice. Please do your due diligence before you jump into any of the asset classes that we talked about today. Um, and um, yeah, but it is... It is something that's worth watching. Uh, keep close eye out on on um, on those yield indicators that we've spoken about on this. Uh, if you're trying to actually look into the future. On that note, uh, I will. Um, we will see you guys all again next Friday on another Friday wrap. John, Jazz, and David. <laughs>